0: Good evening, and welcome to the Legal Eagle Review, an informative and thought-provoking weekly show covering legal issues affecting everyday people. We know that there are many things you could be doing with your time, and we appreciate your decision to share this time with us. I'm Irving Joyner.
1: And I'm April Dawson. We're law professors at North Carolina Central University School of Law, and we're your co-hosts. The Legal Eagle Review is sponsored by the NCCU School of Law and the Virtual Justice Project, we thank you for joining us this evening. On June 21st of this year, the US Supreme Court decided NCAA v. Austin and forever changed the student athlete compensation landscape. This case involved a challenge to the NCAA rules that prevented student athletes from being compensated, The NCAA's justification for the rule was, in part, that fan interest in college sports would diminish if the public knew that athletes were being compensated rather than playing solely for the love of their sport. Several Division I football and basketball players filed suit against the NCAA, arguing that its restrictions on non-cash educational related benefits violated antitrust laws. The trial court found for the athletes holding that the NCAA must allow for certain types of educational benefits, such as computers, science equipment, and other tangible items not included in the cost of attendance calculation. However, the trial court held that the NCAA could still limit cash and cash-equivalent awards for academic purposes, The athlete plaintiffs did not appeal this aspect of the trial court's ruling. On appeal by the NCAA, a unanimous Supreme Court agreed with the lower courts and held that the NCAA's rules restricting certain education-related benefits for student-athletes violated federal antitrust laws. The court left in place the lower court's conclusion that the NCAA may still limit cash or cash equivalent awards for academic purposes because it was not challenged on appeal. Although this was a very narrow decision that the NCAA's restriction on education related payments, laptops, scholarships, tutoring, internships, et cetera, violated antitrust laws this decision was the first step in real reform of a system that earns educational institutions billions of dollars and pays coaches millions of dollars off of the labor of uncompensated student athletes. The payments at issue in Alston represent only a small share of the potential compensation for NCAA athletes. There's much more money to be earned by college athletes, for example, through endorsement deals and name, image, likeness payments. Indeed, on July 1st, NCAA rule changes went into effect, allowing student athletes to make money by selling their name, image, and likeness rights. On this evening's show, we're going to discuss the impact these rule changes are and will have on NCCU's student athletes and the NCCU athletic program. Joining us for this discussion are Dr. Ingrid Wicker-McCree, Director of Athletics at North Carolina Central University, Kendra Green, Senior Associate Athletic Director for Internal Operations and Senior Women Administrator, and Hannah Gaines, rising senior student athlete for NCCU and captain of the women's tennis team for the 2021-2022 season and a 4.0 student. Thank you all for joining us this evening. So I'd like to start by having Dr. McCree and Ms. Green tell us a little bit about what you do in your roles at North Carolina Central University.
2: Okay, well, good evening. Uh, Again, thank you so very much for, uh, inviting us to come and share some information um, from our perspective, which is the, the majority of Division One universities and uh, member institutions, um, on these two very important uh, pieces of legislation. Uh, I oversee uh, fifteen NCAA Division One sports, uh, about 332 athletes, and an approximately 75 part-time and full-time coaches and staff members. Um, I'm responsible for ensuring that the health and safety of our student athletes is a priority. Also to make sure that they have one of the best NCCU experiences um, as a student on our campus. And so I oversee all of those aspects of a Division I program. I also serve on the chancellor's leadership team um, representing the athletics. And so I sit at the table with all the decision makers for the university um, with regards to everything that affects our students on campus. Um, I do want to take this minute just to say how very proud I am of Hannah Um, and the students like Hannah that keep me here. This is my 28th year here at North Carolina Central University and my 13th as athletic director. And so I look forward to every December and May when we see these young women and men cross the stage and know that they have truly um, learned and developed and they've and rolled from North Carolina Central University and all of the faculty, staff, and everyone that's touched their lives. So I'm very proud of Hannah and the uh, conversation today. Excellent. Thank you for that, Ms. Green.
3: Good evening. Yes. Thank you again for the opportunity to be able to speak with you guys today on the ever-changing world of college athletics. Um, I serve in a capacity that um, some people look at as being kind of the rule interpreter. Um, So I'm the senior compliance officer for the athletic department. Um, But what that kind of constitute is, is we are not necessarily the rule enforcer. We're more the rule interpreter for all all of our student athletes. So my office has um, myself and two other individuals in it that looked at um, on the daily basis of all 32 bylaws with the NCAA that um, we only work in a capacity of about 10 or so are really active um, and the impact students like Hannah with eligibility, um, you know, playing and practices and extra benefits, all that fun stuff that we're going to talk to you today about on the call. But um, our office is being able to use as a tool for students like Hannah um, and the rest of our student athletes to reach out to when they have questions, when they may be approached by people from back home, you know, organizations back home. And so it's so important that with this changing in NIL, um, being able to have that opportunity for us to be able to educate them on what they can and cannot do now because it's so funny just even with Hannah and her freshman year different rules apply now her senior year um, and so she's really on the cusp and you know they, they will write articles and books about these three to four years and how college athletics really changed um, and so my role within the athletic department is to really just be that tool for our student athletes and our coaches um, as well as our donors and our outside constituents of you know really well we can and cannot do to help protect the eligibility of our student-athletes in today in
2: 2021. But i will also like to add, because that's not just her role, that is one of her primary roles, but she is, um, our, she is our link to our academic support services, our leadership academy, um, our link to a lot of the different uh, partners across campus. Uh, Kendra has a wealth of knowledge, and so her her abilities and skills span beyond compliance, but that is one of her major areas of expertise, and she is also our interim head women's and men's golf coach um, at NCCU, so she does more than compliance, but uh, just want to- thank Great. you. <laughs> yes, th-
1: and thank you both for that. Um, so, Miss Gaines, you are a stellar student and a stellar student-athlete here at NCCU. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience as a student-athlete at our fine institution?
4: Um, yes, of course. First off, thank you for having me tonight. Um, I'm really honored to be guest alongside two women that I look up to and that have contributed to my success at Central. Um, My experience since the first day I walked on campus for just a visit has been just like a bear hug, so welcoming. The people have always made sure that I'm okay. Like I can account so many experiences just at Starbucks where it's just like, I've seen you on the court, keep doing your thing, you're amazing. And I've never experienced this type of love and support in my life at any school and it's an honor. Like I've never really been a team team person just like my sport it's really individual but I can say now every time I step on the court if it's at Central if it's here in Memphis where I am currently I'm proud to represent in CCU.
1: Excellent. All right, thank you for that. And we should also mention that uh, Hannah is working with us on the Legal Eagle Review, and she is not only a guest on this show, but she is also the student producer of this show. So we greatly appreciate all of her hard work in securing our guests and and helping us with our research. Um, And so with that, let's go ahead and, and jump into it a little bit more. So, I uh, want to first ask each of our guests what your reaction was to the Supreme Court's ruling in NCAA v. Alston. Uh, that was a case that was on a lot of people's radar. Um, I'm sure your radar even more because you all work in this space. Um, so let's see, Dr. McCree, let's start with you.
2: So I think, you know, just following this case, so bannon case over the years, Um, It was kind of a relief that it came to some type of uh, conclusion. Um, But I'm always, and we're always, all of us as athletic directors in the NCAA um, have the student-athletes' best interests. Now, sometimes those interests change um, as the generations um, change as well. And I think always for the positive. And so each generation of student-athletes is going to bring something to the forefront. Um, in terms of their voice um, and what they want to see. And so um, I am a staunch believer in the student part of aspect of the student athlete first. And so for me, being able to go beyond um, the cost of attendance to provide uh, those educational expenses is a bonus. And it's a bonus for the NCAA as well as a bonus for the student athlete. And so um, I am, however, a uh, little relieved that they did keep intact the whole uh, not pay for play in terms of non educational expenses and activities, um, because I do think people may not understand the brevity of how athletic programs are funded. Um, you know, we see these large schools and the millions and billions of dollars that they're talking about. That is not the majority. That is 29, 30 schools out of 1,108 that actually see a profit and see a huge profit um, such that you hear in the media and see in the news. And so um, because majority of us, we rely heavily on a student athletic fee, which every student pays, the more we want to provide for our student athletes and those funds that are not raised privately, a lot of schools depend on that athletic fee, which if you see in some states escalates Past and beyond $1,000 a piece. So the more that you're having to spend to provide to you four-year or for operations and for your student athletes, that money has to come from somewhere. And the majority of us are not profiting um, to be able to have those excess dollars to provide to our student athletes so but in overall, I'm glad to see that the, co- the case was concluded so that we can move forward make the appropriate changes to our policies and procedures so that we can all provide more for our student athletes. Mm-hmm. Ms. Green.
3: Um, I echo Dr. Wicker McCree, I think that we, when I first started in this business, really working in compliance over a decade ago, the O'Bannon case was just being introduced. And so them to finally be able to get some closure and some guidance and guardrails from the O'Bannon case that rolled into the Alston case. Um, and just being able to finally, I think let the student athletes be heard. Um, I agree with Dr. Worker-McCree that finally we're, we're glad that pay for play is out of the discussion because I think that was finding its way in a way that was going to jeopardize really what college athletic sports is about and what I think makes it a beautiful aspect. I mean, I was a college athlete for a very short time, not as long as uh, Dr. Wicker McCree and her stellar volleyball career, and obviously Hannah for um, her years or she's playing, but I did play for a very short amount of time, but I always, before transitioning into um, working in athletic administration, you, you have an ideal of what college sports is supposed to be. And that is really to compete for those championships and to be able to compete for your school and be able to have that name on the front of your jersey or the back and be an alumnus and be able to come back to where I just think it's different um, in a professional setting where yes, they may win a Super Bowl or they win you know a, a major league soccer championship or you know they're competing internationally. It's a different type of thing where yes, they may win that, but this is you competing for your, your peers. And so I'm so glad that the NCA respected that. Um, and it was able to work through with the Supreme Court and Supreme Court acknowledged that as well that they weren't wanting to question, that level of amateurism would pay for play. But to be able to set some more realistic guardrails in 2021, I, I mean, I, I laugh with um, some of my more experienced colleagues in the business that may have been in here 30, 40, 50 years that may be, you know, sitting in a, an athletic director emeritus position or, you know, doing some consulting work and they just kind of shake their heads because they go, when we started in the business, this never would have been part of the question or the equation. But I really think it was great for them to actually kind of do a reset and bring us up into 2021 where some of our students, you know, are able to acknowledge in the NIL, which we'll get to in a little bit, you know, and be able to profit a little bit there, but just in the grand scheme of things with the Alston case, to be able to bring some closure to it. And then understanding that, you know, we're not going way out in left field, but let's just get a little bit more centered on what is a little bit more realistic view of college athletics today.
0: Well, let me, let me just, um, just raise with, with both of you uh, the question of the uh, potential for exploitation of students by outside interests who may want to and who will use their uh, name, likeness, and images for commercial purposes over and above and contrary to their uh, interests as, uh, as students at uh, in the uh, university community and uh what 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 well we're gonna have to take a break right right now uh but think about that uh for a few seconds and we're gonna take our break here on the uh, legal legal uh, review and we're gonna come back and uh let our administrators respond to that question so stay with us we'll be right back
4: Good evening, my name is Hannah Gaines and I'm a current senior at North Carolina Central University and this is your community event spotlight. The event that we are highlighting is the Black Farmers Market. This event is going on now and doesn't end until December 12th. It's from 1 30 p.m to 4 30 p.m at the Golden Belt. This was a great opportunity to not only get local products, but also an amazing way to support Black owned businesses. You can learn more about this event by visiting www.durhamcommunityengagement.org/events.
0: Okay, we're back from the uh, legal legal review. Thank you so uh, very much for staying with us as we continue this discussion about uh, student athletes and the recent decision by the uh, US Supreme Court in NCAA versus Austin, uh, which uh, has uh, allowed for the loosening of some reins uh, that uh, student athletes uh, have had placed on them in uh, past years that allows them now to profit from their name, their uh, images and likenesses and receive compensation uh, for that. Our our guests uh, in uh, this discussion, Dr. Ingrid Wickham-McCree, who is the uh, Director of Athletics at uh, North Carolina Central University. Uh, Kendra Green, who is the Senior Associate Athletic Uh, director for internal operations at uh, North Carolina Central and uh, Hannah Gaines, who is a rising uh, senior student athlete at uh, NCCU and is the captain of the uh, women's tennis team. And uh, just to brag on her, just a little bit, a 4.0 student, which means that she knows something. Uh, So we have uh, the three of them here to talk about this uh, monumental uh, decision. And when we took our break, uh, we raised the question about the uh, protection of uh, student athletes from potential exploitation by outside interests uh, that seek to uh, capitalize on their names, their images, and their likenesses for commercial gain and uh, trying to get a reaction from both uh, Director McCree and uh, Ms. Green as to their feelings uh, about uh, that uh, that possibility. So Dr. McCree, you wanna?
2: Yes. So um, while I support uh, name, image, and likeness for our student athletes, and I think it's a, a wonderful ap- ap- opportunity that's going to highlight and show the creativity in um, the entrepreneurial spirit of our student athletes and this, this, this generation of students in general. Um, there are some guardrails that we have been talking about uh, through the division one council that I'm a member of uh, throughout the entire planning of name, image and likeness. And there's still, it's not done yet. You know, unfortunately um, everything has moved so swiftly and now people are playing catch-ups there, you know the states that have not passed it yet. Um, unfortunately for us, uh, is still in the Senate, but then our governor put out an executive oh. order that provided some guidelines uh, to how we should develop our own guidelines for NCCU. But I think that there's always gonna be a a room for exploitation of any of the bylaws, whether it is practice and playing seasons, where there's amateurism, there is exploitation uh, potential there for any of the rules. And so that's why you do have people in place uh, like Kendra and Desmond, Chelsea and our team to help make sure they're monitoring that. Now with name, image, and likeness, is a little bit um, almost can teeter on the Wild Wild West because the three of them cannot be in everywhere. Our, all 332 student athletes are. And so um, we just have to make sure that our guidelines that we shared with them, our partnership with Influencer, which will be serve as a, um, a clearinghouse to help us monitor um, what's going on. But as you know, in the legislation, we can't say you can't do this, we can only say, well, you can partner with these type of businesses and companies um, that is uh, contrary to the values of the university. And so um, it will be uh, on the honor system in terms of hoping and making sure that the student athletes understand the rules with regards to pay and above uh, compensation above what their contract or agreement is with that company and entity. But there is always going to be room for um, wrongdoing and exploitation. Um, And we just have to hope that we are able to make sure the student athletes know what to do, what not to do, as well as we have to educate our boosters. We have to educate our alumni. We have to educate the entire campus community Um, to make sure that they understand what their role is and what are not um, with regards to their involvement with our student-athletes.
0: That's great.
3: The only thing I can add to that is just that I think our student-athletes have to kind of also be a little aware of what may sound really great. Sometimes I think we need to come back to that discussion of, is it too good to be true? And so I think that's where you are, Mr. Joyner, exactly where you're right is there may be some, what we refer to in the business as bad actors or people that have the students not best interest at heart. And we want to be able to try to help our students get that sixth sense to be able to identify, oh, is that company, if I can't find anything about them on the internet, and they want me to sign this, is that a smart idea? You know, to be able to help teach them do a little bit of the homework. Cause like Dr. Wicker McCree said, it is a little bit of the wild wild west out there and the side of we don't have, really the world is their oyster at this point. You know, they can sign with, you know, hat companies, it, it's just, there's nothing, there's there's no end to the parameters at that point other than what Dr. Rokri said of, you know, those companies that may be something that's a detriment to the university branding and, or, you know, firearms, um, illegal substances, those types of things. So I think it was very important that we kind of help the students understand those guardrails still to understand you're connecting your personal brand to these businesses. So again, just trying to help our students Navigate that water a little bit. So one, not every business deal is a great business deal, you know, make sure you're reading the fine print doing your homework and making them understand that if you can't find the company on the internet in that's a red flag, number one. Number two, when you do find them and it looks like they just created the website, you know, five days ago, that's the number two red flag. So just making sure that we can kind of help them look and navigate those waters a little bit better on the front end before they actually get into a real discussion about signing any sort of legal contract with them.
0: Miss Gaines, uh, you, you you as a student uh, athlete uh, who started under the old guard or old regime, you're now uh, entering this new uh, freedom movement. Uh, and uh, so what was your initial reaction to the uh, Austin uh, decision? And are you uh, prepared now to uh, patch on a uh, Popeye logo on your outfit uh, as you uh, play tennis? Um. Well, first
4: off, my initial reaction was excitement because The case that we talked about earlier, NCAA versus Austin wasn't necessarily about athletes being able to monetize their NIL. So when that came out of that case, it was just excitement for me. Cause I think as an athlete, if you have a huge following or influence, that's something maybe you're looking forward to use after college. Because when I started college, you could not use it during college um, as a benefit. So, now just watching how everything's going i have not um signed with anyone or any companies yet because like um mrs green and dr mccree said it is the wild wild west and there's a lot of things that aren't as good as they seem so i'm really taking my time just to watch and seeing how things unfold Um really looking for people that i want to partner with that also fit my personal brand and who i am as a person Um, And I'm also looking for things that just not only contribute to monetary value, but also have a positive um, social effect as well. So
1: we've been talking about name, image, and likeness. And Ms. Gaines, as you noted, that wasn't um, specifically what the Supreme Court was wrestling with in the NCAA v. Alston decision. However, it certainly led to the changes in the NCAA rules. Uh, so um Ms. Gaines, what is name, image, and likeness and what does profiting on that look like for student athletes?
4: Um so name, image, and likeness. So that's like someone wanting to um pay me to use my name, Hannah Gaines, my likeness, which meaning like, you know, my influence just my likability among others, my influence upon others by being who I am and my image, so like my face and who I am and like what I represent. Um, And for student athletes, I think now it's a big deal because being an athlete, it's already kind of like status, right? Me being a D1 athlete is, is status and does have not only a ring to it, but it definitely sets me apart from others. And we've seen so many athletes and so many spaces being able to do different things because athletics has given them the stage to either start a business, um, collaborate with other brands, not in the college aspect, but also in the professional world. But now with social media, your, your exposure to other things is a lot more, it's huge, it's broad. So you see even now high school athletes, like if you look at Zion, he was huge before he came to college and that benefit he brought to Duke. So now it's really cool for someone like Zion or even like myself who doesn't have as large of an audience to profit off of who you
0: are. Well, let me raise this question in response to this. Is that which athletes will be able to profit from this, uh, Ms. Gaines had mentioned Zion Williamson, uh, who was internationally known uh, throughout the uh, world uh, in the same vein as LeBron James when he was in, uh, in, in high school. So, which athletes, the elites uh, or the wannabe? will be able to profit from this notion of uh, name images and and likenesses uh, 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 that's envisioned by this new code uh, and what kind of compliance issues are developed for administrators as they look to, uh, I guess, monitor how uh, these athletes utilize this new uh, found uh, false goal.
4: Um I would say it's not a question of who will profit it'll be how much they can profit. Um definitely athletes that play more high exposure sports um revenue generating sports right now I see profiting more than maybe my sport um just because you know they attract more fans and there's much more exposure like I can say for my sport it's become a lot more popular because of Serena, Naomi Osaka, Coco Golf. So there's more exposure on me, but it's still not as big as basketball, football. Um, I can say for myself as well. Maybe if on a more international stage, or if I were not in America, my following or um, my following my following would be more would be larger. So I would say it's just how much an athlete can profit, not who will profit.
2: And I I would agree because even some of the ones that are coming in now to us in terms of uh, reviewing, um, it just spans the gamut in terms of some are, is is not small, but um, getting paid to appear at a birthday party for a young kid where they couldn't do that before Um, we've had student athletes who have come to us with businesses um, whether they were trans you know high school Um, I do remember someone had a car detailing business someone was modeling before they came to school and we always would have to make sure we send in to the NCAA um, you know some type of waiver to say hey they were doing this before they got here and so now that you don't have to do that. So um, so I, I just think I agree with Hannah. It's not a matter of who. It's just a matter of how much in there, you know, what is the marketability of that person? And I think that's one of the challenges is the market value. There's no gauge out there to say uh, a tennis player is more, is, is more valued than a soccer player. And so that's where you really, really have to, you um, I'm not sure whether there's going to be any guardrails with that. You know, what do you use? What tool do you use? What company do you use in your area? Because if I'm a student athlete in Radford, Virginia, I'm I'm maybe more limited in terms of businesses and, and, you know, support or opportunities than if I'm a student athlete here in Durham, North Carolina in the RTP area. So the market value is going to be very questionable as well. But how do you control that? And who controls that?
3: And and I think one important thing for the listeners also to kind of take under context is um, sometimes compensation isn't always in monetary. And I think that's one thing when we educated the student athletes, um, when we started really talking with them right before everything was going to roll out in July 1, um, it was making them understand as well, you may just get apparel. You know, you may be asked to be a model, and but before, like Hannah said, you couldn't even appear in photo campaigns because you had your likeness of being a student athlete. Your picture is on our website as being a student athlete. So before July 1, they couldn't even model in a Nike catalog or those types of things. There couldn't be a cardboard cutout if they're, you know, favorite dealership back home that maybe their uncle has worked at for years but you know they were just so proud to have a picture of you know Hannah and obviously this wasn't you but just you in your tennis uniform with NCCU things on but she couldn't even have that and maybe it wasn't even necessarily a monetary aspect um one one example that a colleague of mine brought to me three of their football players had been approached by a local pizzeria to be the official spokespeople but guess what their compensation was all you can eat of everything on the menu. Right. So it wasn't even necessarily monetary, but not to any college kid. We know all you can eat chicken wings and breadsticks and pizza. That's a big deal. But before July 1 and NIL, you couldn't do that. So I think it's always important for the listeners to understand too, this NIL, NIL is not just money. It's, you know, tangible goods. It's um possibility of a car. We've seen that with some of the big power fives have come out in um, some articles that, you know, a power five football player wasn't compensated in money. They were given a car being a uh, the spokesperson of a car dealership so it's those types of things that really understand when we say the wild wild west it's even just chicken wings and pizza slices out there so it's not just the monetary value
1: All right, you're listening to the Legal Eagle Review here on WNCU 90.7 FM, and we've been talking this hour about the recent NCAA v. Alston case that was rendered by the Supreme Court and the impact that that case is having on the ability of student athletes to monetize their name, image, and likeness. And with us here in our Zoom studio, we have Dr. Ingrid Wicker-McCree, who is the Director of Athletics at North Carolina Central University. University, and Kendra Green, who is the Senior Associate Athletics Director for Internal Operations, and Hannah Gaines, rising senior student-athlete and captain of the women's tennis team for this upcoming year, and also a 4.0 student. We're going to take a quick break. We hope you stay with us. We'll be right back.
4: Good evening. My name is Reginald Woods II. And I am a current 2L at the North Carolina Central University School of Law. And I would like to personally thank you for supporting and listening to The Legal Eagle Review, an informative and thought-provoking show that is made possible by the Virtual Justice Project of the North Carolina Central University School of Law, as well as listeners like yourself. For more information regarding the show or past episodes or the latest happenings surrounding our host, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Legal Eagle Review. Again, my name is Reginald Wiss II, and thank you for listening.
1: And we're back. Thank you again for tuning in to the Legal Eagle Review here on WNCU 90.7 FM. I'm April Dawson and my co-host Irving Joyner and I have been talking this hour with our guests about the recent Supreme Court case NCAA v. Alston and the impact it's having on student athletes, uh, specifically how student athletes can monetize their name, image, and likeness. And we have with us here as our guest, Dr. Ingrid Wicker-McCree, who is the Director of Athletics at NCCU, Kendra Green, who is the Senior Associate Athletics Director for Internal Operations at NCCU, and NCCU Rising Senior Student Athlete, and and captain of the women's tennis team, Hannah Gaines. Ms. Green, right before the break, you were talking about how compensation and monetizing name, image, and likeness doesn't necessarily have to be monetary compensation. And you shared with us um, uh, a situation where students um, wanted to be able to be a sponsor for a local pizza joint and uh, the compensation was not money, but it was all-you-can-eat pizza, and we can all imagine how that might be um, uh, desirable for many student athletes. But can you talk with us how name, image, and likeness activity affects eligibility and recruiting of athletes? And, and then also, how what's the school's responsibility for monitoring compensation?
3: All great questions, Ms. Dawson, and I'm going to answer the first, the last ones first, and then I'm going to refer over into the recruiting aspect to Dr. Wicker-McCree, because I know she's had some great conversations with that um, aspect of it on the national level with the committee she sits on. But what we're doing here at um, NCCU that we touched on earlier in the program today, we're using a great company called Influencer, um, which is a company that we had worked with previously, um, and they actually built out a platform a couple of years ago when this was was all starting when we kind of thought name, image, and likeness may actually come to fruition because you also have to understand in the world of compliance, things happen, but they happen about four or five years after we start talking about them. And we've seen that over the time with, um, you know, cost of attendance. A few years ago, student athletes couldn't, you know, receive additional uh, funds towards the cost of attendance. It was just whatever their athletic scholarship was, and that transitioned over a couple of years ago. So when NIL first started with the discussion a couple of years ago influencer came up with this great program all digital so that's really a great component with uh, to partner with our compliance office the students can download the app um and it's all been laid out with the company where it's almost like a a click and fill in type of a module where they can say okay well this is the company or vendor or um Instagram account even that has contacted me and says that I want to um, be involved with. And then the next box down, okay, what does that involvement look like? Like Dr. Wicker McCree said, are you going to a birthday party and doing an appearance? Are you doing an autograph signing on those types of things? Um, then we also want a copy of whatever agreement they're signing. Cause of course we want to be able to have that for our records. And that goes into that monitoring that we talked about in a previous segment. And then the last thing is just, what is that compensation going to look like? Is it the pizza? that we talked about or is it for every time you tweet about something you get two dollars you know and you have to hit this certain amount of tweets in a month or whatever that agreement looks like and so that all goes into the app electronically and then we monitor it and various staff members um, look at it because again is a student requesting to use marks and logos um, are they asking to wear their jersey to get that Are they asking to wear anything that says our NCCU brand on it? So obviously branding and marketing and copyright, they're taking a peek at that. Um, And then obviously from the compliance office, we're looking at to make sure that they're not doing anything that would jeopardize that amateurism. And so um, we've already talked greatly about amateurism has changed over time, but there are still some good hard line knows that the students know are those guardrails, we're not signing with professional agents, right? We may have advisors, we may have people to help us do our tax We may have somebody to be a marketing agent to help me market my name, image, and likeness. But am I allowed to sign with a professional sports industry agent? No. So that's still a no. Number two, if I'm signing with an individual to help me through this process, is that person licensed in the state of North Carolina? Because that was another guardrail that the state of North Carolina put into place. Um, You needed to, any sort of advisor capacity had to follow those legislative pieces that had already been passed, which is only a protection for the student athletes because you want them to make sure they're getting sound advice and have good representation. So Influencer really is a great almost think tank that every piece of the information goes into, as well as they already have pre-built out modules to help the students. You'd be surprised how many of them we started talking about taxes. They're like, wait, taxes? And so, you know, this is going to be a great opportunity for these student athletes to file their first rounds of taxes and understanding what an easy 1040 form is. And the influencer has videos and step-by-step guidelines in it. So it's a really additional component to our office of compliance. We'll do a lot of the monitoring, but a lot of those really great tools are just built in. And like I said, the students can just get everything on their app right on their phone. So when they're moving around, like Hannah said, she's actually not even North Carolina right now, she's out of state. So she can log on if she gets an opportunity from somebody in Memphis when she talks to she can submit her things it goes through the process and then we either say yes it meets those guardrails that are in in place or no we think we're a little concerned about these things and then Hannah can go back to that individual and have another conversation but I think Dr. Wicker McCree can kind of give a little more insight into the recruiting aspect of it other than every state is different right now.
1: Yeah and so that was yeah very very helpful and we've been talking about Uh, how, um, Dr. McCree, you were talking about students coming in in the past already having businesses established. Uh, My guess is that that's going to only increase because students know that there's not this prohibition once they, you know, start collegiate activities. Um, So can you talk about how name, image, and lightness activity will affect recruiting and also affect the eligibility of students?
2: So I think what's important to understand is I believe there is one state um, there's a standout recruit um, where they just passed that high school students may uh, benefit from name image and likeness as well and so I think as Kendra said you have to be very aware of the state laws um, and and what's going on now starting at the high school level um, because that's going to be when we talk about students coming in with their own businesses already sponsorship deals if we have a student athletes that's coming from those states and they were permitted to do that, how does that impact us? And then we have to go back and look at our guidelines to say, okay, does this fit in? Now, trust and believe, we didn't you know, come up with these guidelines just on our own. We, like I said, we use federal uh, state guidelines from the executive order, uh, NCAA guidelines, MIAP, but we also partner with our sister institutions in the UNC system. And so um, we meet every usually every quarter as ADs of the UNC system. And so it's a lot of sharing. Um, but I will say, so that's going to impact recruiting. Um, you have in the state of Texas where they can almost kind of look like, uh, what is it, NASCAR uniforms, because they're permitted to wear their logos on their uniforms during games. Well, in North Carolina, you're not. So if I'm a student athlete or a prospective student athlete, you know trying to decide and I have multiple offers on that stage. This is going to come into play. Um, if you look at in, in the article last week where it talked about the upcoming quarterback from Alabama's reaching seven figures already and hasn't thrown a pass this year. Well, hey, I could go to Alabama and I may not be a starter, but my star power and the power of my name, image and likeness is going to be much greater then, if I was to go to maybe an FCS mid-major school and not very well known. So that's where I was talking about in terms of the market value, um, the location, the type of school and, and you know the notoriety of that school. It is going to tip the scales a little bit with regards to the equity in recruiting. Um, and so it's gonna be interesting. Now, for the majority of us, It's going to still be more on an equal playing field, but for those 29, 30 schools or those power five schools, group of five, next group of five, it's going to be very interesting to watch um, and read about this daily because those students, those prospects are going to be deciding and making some of those decisions based on that because now we've, we've even proven at North Carolina Central that you can come here, do well, play, and then make it to the next level. Right, we have several and I think we have a total of 43 across the history in the NFL that have been drafted or gone on to play in the NFL so you can get there from anywhere right as long as you're good you're good. But now you have all of this come into play, whereas our cost of attendance that we give may only be two or $3,000 if we do, whereas at another school or power five school that student athlete may it, it may be receiving eight thousand, ten thousand dollars So even cost of attendance came into play with recruiting already. So now you have this extra layer of name, image, and likeness that is going to impact that.
0: Well, will the the gap between the the big schools and the small schools increase as a result of this, since those uh, institutions are in more favorable markets than most of the uh, smaller schools? Oh,
2: I don't know how much further, how you know, larger the gap can be. It is already uh, huge, and so I don't really think that's going to play a you know make a big difference between FCS, you know, in the mid May, you know, the next group versus the Power Five, and we're seeing that right with Texas and Oklahoma, and you know what they're trying to do. So we just, we don't focus on that. We are, you know, they, their budgets are beyond some of those, but most of those budgets of those 29 schools are larger than our university's entire budget here at North Carolina Central. So that's why I'm saying it, if it gets larger, it just gets larger <laughs> the gap is there and there's nothing that we can do about that.
1: So Miss Gaines, want to get your thoughts on how, what are you thinking about in terms of how you might use your name in image and likeness? And have you been in touch with uh, your colleagues on campus? And so what is the thought amongst the student athletes about uh, what they're looking at?
4: Um, Yeah, well, first I just wanted to kind of piggyback off of Dr. McCree and just the point of, I know now as an athlete, we can kind of use that to make a profit, but, when deciding a school, I've learned there's so much more than now. Considering how much money you can make, um, you know, just because maybe you could go to a power five school and make more money doesn't mean it's necessarily good for you. As you get older, you start to learn there's more things important than money. So I just wanted to add that little tidbit. Um, but as far as talking to my colleagues and what they're doing right now. The trend that I've seen among athletes and a lot of them are starting their own brands. Um, A lot of them are partnering with companies that, um, I don't know, it seems like a trend just to partner with that company. Um, That company still seems just like us, very new, very green to this whole new landscape. And as far as myself making, trying to make decisions about my brand, who I partner with to use my brand Has been a really strategic type of analytical um, thought process for me. Um, It's a big deal of who I put my name with. Um, So I've been kind of slow to the jump. But once I get started, I think everybody will know it was definitely thought through. And something like I said earlier will not only have a monetary impact for myself, but I also want to have a social impact. Um, and do more good than just me making money and affects others positively as well, so.
2: And I just, can I just add one thing is that um, we are going to provide educational programming uh, for our student athletes on personal branding, entrepreneurship, we've uh, reached out to Henry McCoy and Dean Nelson over at the School of Business uh, to talk about how we can engage them in just providing in education um, about being entrepreneurs and those kind of things to watch out for. And so we will be programming this into our new leadership academy that we've started this past fall. Um, So, because we do have that obligation and responsibility to our student athletes to provide that for them.
0: Well, you know, has this opened up a Pandora's box that can't be closed now? Uh, When you look at the fact that a student at North Carolina Central is free to uh, enroll in any type of business endeavor that comes their way without any restriction from the uh, university. But with student athletes, uh, there is still this kind of uh, uh, managing of the athletes that, uh, that occur. So is the ultimate reality is that student athletes are moving toward a free range program where they will be able to do anything that any other student on the campus might be able to do.
2: So I do think you um, understanding that in our guidelines, there are some things that they're restricted from doing. So for example, uh, being able to advertise for that company that that they're uh, tied to using their uniform or any of the NCCU logo marks and and symbols, they do have to go through the same process as as any student on campus um, or entity that is wanting to use the symbols, uh, logo, or marks of the university. So they do have to do that. Um, They're not permitted to uh, engage with companies that are gambling, drugs, uh, illegal drugs, Uh, What else? Any type of adult entertainment, um, uh, tobacco. So there is a list of things of of the types of companies that they're not permitted to um, engage with. And that does also is another layer because some of these companies are backed by Perhaps uh, people that own casinos and gambling and things like that. So they really, really, we all have to do our due diligence. So that means now Kendra, she has to go into the wild, wild, the, you know, the world <laughs> wide web and try to figure out who, you know, what this company is all about. So there are some restrictions. So it's not as much of a just free range. There are some limitations, but. Uh, I think it's beyond, I'm I'm gonna be interested to see what federal and what state guidelines come down as well as, you know, NCAA. And again, I'm on that committee that makes these decisions, the council, um, because now how do you rein back in um, everything that's going on right now? You know, are we gonna grandfather in, you know, student athletes that have already partnered with this type of business and doing this and say, okay, well, you all are okay, um, but, moving forward and so it's going to be interesting to see how all of this comes together if it comes together it may not it may just be left up to the states and you know the conferences and the schools are going to have to deal with all this you know the disparity in what people what students can do and cannot do
1: um miss green um i wanted to know if you had anything to add i saw you unmute your mic there for a minute
3: no just that i think uh dr wicker mccree did a great job with explaining that it's a wild wild west but the ncaa and the state of north carolina has done a nice job of still being able to i believe um, put the integrity of the student athlete and the institution in the forefront and not allowing them to again partner with, even though they may be a legitimate business, there are still some core values within the NCAA and um, the state of North Carolina and NCCU, you know, weapons, like she mentioned, um, banned substances, those types of things. And, and the interesting thing that the readers may think about well, you know, cannabis may be maybe legal in California or New Mexico. We make it clear with our student athletes, you still may come from that state. And it's legal there, but it's not legal here. And so it's those types of, again, teaching opportunities um, that we're really looking forward to being able to also enlighten it. And I appreciate, I I wanna go back to something that Hannah said real quick that I really appreciated her saying that when she said, I'm looking for the right opportunity to not just monetary, but also making an impact. And I think that yes, some of the low hanging fruit quick signing, you know. Opportunities for students—they're jumping at some of them, but I believe that more students are turning to a Hannah, honestly, and are going to echo her. That let me make an impact in what I do, and so finding that right opportunity to back is going to be important. And I really appreciate that Hannah got that. Hannah, honestly, I smiled when you said that because I said you understand the gravity of you attaching your name and likeness to a company or a product, making sure that it's impactful, whether that's socially justice wise racially justice wise whatever that is i'm hoping that more of our students start to see that and i think they will that it's not just let me just sign with every possible instagram influencer i can do it's let me make sure that i'm choosing the right ones to be able to put my name behind and it's not about the money so i really wanted to applaud hannah for making that statement
0: yeah many 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 student athletes are not at that point and uh, they are ready right now to uh, sign up with uh, Leroy Strip Club uh, as, uh, as 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 an image so. <laughs>
3: no i I think that honestly we are going to be more pleasantly surprised because like dr wicker mccree said we haven't the floodgates didn't open that wide with us we got a couple on the first day but i think some of the students are starting to be a little more cautious um and the the ones that we are seeing that are coming through they thought through and they've had some good conversations with some family members and advisors and making sure they're picking the right ones so no mr joyner i think we're we're on to the right foot
1: and I think to you know, emphasize the entrepreneurial opportunities here for our students to learn. And Dr. McCree mentioned the Leadership Academy and, and joining and partnering with our business school and the entrepreneurial clinic that we have there, that you know, most of our students do not go pro and aren't able to take their you know, student athlete career and, and do it professionally. But to use this opportunity to learn more about owning your own business um, and just embracing that entrepreneurial spirit that Dr. McCree mentioned um, at the beginning of the show, you know, I think is is wonderful. So um, I, I know we've got more to say about this. We, we've come to the end of our hour, so we're gonna have to close it out, but we wanna invite the three of you to come back at some point in the school year, just so we can get a status of how things are going. Um, we're really optimistic and excited about it. We appreciate Dr. McCree and, and Miss Green, your leadership, and uh, Miss Gaines, your inspiration. Um, and uh, yeah, this has been a great discussion. So, so thank you all. And so let me formally uh, thank our guests, Dr. Ingrid Wicker-McCree, who is the Director of Athletics at NCCU, Kendra Green, Senior Associate Athletics Director for Internal Operations at NCCU, and NCCU Rising Senior Student Athlete. hannah gaines who is also the captain of the women's tennis team for this upcoming year and we can't emphasize it enough she's also a stellar student with a 4.0 we'd also like to thank you our listening audience for spending your sunday evening with us if you have any comments or questions about the show please send us an email you can reach us at legal eagle review at nccu.edu and if you ever miss this show on sunday you can find the show on our legal eagle review podcast Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Until next week, stay informed, engaged, healthy, and safe.